When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, people? Welcome to another episode of the Undiluted Football Show with yours truly, Tony. Now, before I start this episode, first of all, you know what, let's get straight into it. What a week we've had in football, especially just in general. This has been probably one of the biggest weeks in football for a very long time, especially working in in, in the sports industry as well, just it's been one of the craziest weeks in football. For those that don't know and that have been living under a rock, we had the last, literally last episode, we spoke about the European Super League and I said what it was about and the whole debacle and everything. From then on, it's now been suspended. I feel like there's only two more clubs in it with Real Madrid and Barca. I think I've at Leti as well. There's basically Spanish clubs in it and it's gonna, it's not going to happen in a nutshell. That is it in a nutshell. But... If we look at the European Super League, fam, fans came all across the globe, really. Players spoke out and said, we, we don't want this. It's not helpful for people under below the pyramid, which I don't think is true. Well, no, it is true, but I don't think that's the reason people don't want it. But we'll get into that. If I had to give my own opinion of the Super League, and this is my own opinion, I'm, in, I'm, I'm entitled to it because it's mine, and views on my own and all of that. With the Super League, do you know what it is? When people make decisions like this, you have to ask yourself why, right? I know they didn't just randomly go, all right, let's make the Super League because we're greedy and we want more money. I feel like people, that's what people want to believe, but I don't think that's the case. Obviously, there is some greed implemented in it because they're billionaires, billionaire owners, billionaire clubs wanting more money. People feel like once you reach a billion, that's it. You shouldn't make more money. You should just stay there and live your life but anyway that's people's opinions but one thing we've got to look at is why why did they decide to create this thing called the european super league now for those that don't know is that the premier league premier league clubs lost a total of over 1 billion in 2019 right that was 2019 they lost over a billion now for those that don't know a billion is a lot of money so premier league clubs lost over a billion like all together and that was in 2019. Then we had COVID in 2020. So, and God knows what they lost. So if they lost a billion in 2019, they must have lost a load of money in 2020. Now, that could have been one of the reasons where they're thinking, all right, we are running out of money. We need more income, blah, 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 blah. Let's make this league to keep us rich. Maybe that was their idea. I don't know. But they went. one thing they've done is went about it all wrong. They went about it in the sense that we're going to make a league and 
I think one people the thing that that people didn't like about it was the just it was very inclusive, right? Ex- exclusive rather. It was very exclusive. There was no relegation, no promotion. If there was a way to get promoted into and relegated from the European Super League, then I feel like people might decide to. I'm not sure if people would still want it, but that could have been a massive factor in helping them trying to make it. Now, it's weird with the Super League because I didn't expect it to happen, but don't feel like this is going to be the last of it because the fact that they brought this to attention and so many clubs said, yes, we want to be, a, well, 12 clubs said yes, but six English clubs said, yes, we want to be a part of it shows that maybe just maybe background wise, these guys are thinking ahead and thinking, you know what, maybe we want more money. And yes, sorry, ask, ask Cuban beings who don't want more money. But what we've got to look at that is that Premier League clubs are losing a lot of money. We have to remember that during COVID clubs didn't, Clubs were letting go of staff. Clubs were to- didn't Tottenham get a loan at the start of the season? Like you don't do that if you don't need money. Do you know what I mean? So Premier League clubs did need money. Not every single club needed money, but a lot did. So we've got to take that in consideration. Yes, they went about the European Super League all wrong, and I don't think that was the way to do it. But don't be surprised if we see something along the lines of this happening again, just with a better formula. And I'm not even sure football fans will be so mad about it. It's just the fact that it was very exclusive. It was just the rich trying to stay the rich and not caring about the the whole football pyramid, which I totally understand. And I wasn't I wasn't for the Super League. I thought they went about it totally wrong. So that's that on my opinion. Do I feel like the Super League will come again? Probably. Give it a year, give it two years. They'll go about this properly. They'll they will contact the fans because the fans outraged and the protests were crazy. And they're not gonna make that same mistake twice. So there's that. But I really don't feel like this is the end of it. They've clearly they've clearly looked at figures and gone like we can't sustain this model forever. Because unfortunately, like clubs need more money. Us as fans want our clubs to splash millions on players. Player wages are going to keep going up and up and up. People, because of no fans, people are losing that side of money, gate receipts, revenue. Like, people are losing money and stuff is still going to go up. People are still going to get bought for 150 million, 170 million regardless. So there's, you can see why they're trying to think of ways to make money, make more money. But, that's that with the Super League. I'm glad it's practically done now in England. Will we see it again? Probably. I think now next we need to focus on Champions League and the way we need to restructure the Champions League because that's another... So, um, yeah. So, obviously, we had the Super League as well. And that, but what is so funny is that a big, a massive story also happened during the week. But because the Super League was so big, we totally forgot about it. And it was Jose Mourinho being sacked from Tottenham. Now, I felt like this was a very weird one. I felt like I didn't expect Jose to stay. I did thought it got a bit sour and it got a bit toxic and reminded me of how Jose left United. But one thing I will mention is that six days before a cup final made no sense. I feel like if there's one person on this earth you would want to go up against a top um, against a Pep Guardiola City, and you'd want one manager on this earth, you would probably pick Jose Mourinho. And I just feel like 
to to get rid of him six days before a final makes no sense. I know, fair enough, if you didn't think he was a guy for the next season, I get that. But let him win the trophy, let him leave. He got due to the final. Jose Mourinho gives you a chance. And then giving Ryan Mason the job to the end of the season, I don't know how you expect. Like, this is Tottenham Hotspur, right? Tottenham are notoriously known for not winning trophies. So the fact, yes, it's the Carabao Cup and it's not a massive major trophy, but it's still regarded as a major trophy in somewhat. So the fact that you don't want to go for that trophy, even though you haven't won a trophy in years, it's a cup final. You want to win the game. You want to lift a trophy. You will all celebrate if you lift that trophy. I don't see how that, the foot, in a footballing sense, it logically made sense to get rid of a very experienced manager who is known for winning trophies, who's got you to final to be replaced by someone with massive inexperience who is 29 years old. And this is no disrespect to Ryan Mason, but that just didn't make sense. I don't think Jose was... The thing is, everyone has their own reasons as to why... um, as to why Jose left, people said that, oh, you know what, Lee before he he was in the Super League, Lee before you were going to get that that uh, that Super League stimmy. So he was like, you know what, once this once this cash flows in, I can get whoever I want. Or there's people thinking that Jose didn't want to go and be a part of this whole Super League. There's 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 that theory. There, I think there's many theories to the sacking because this one is a totally weird one. I feel like just looking at it from a logical explanation, it just does not make sense. It really doesn't make sense. I don't think any football fan would decide to do that, regardless if you hate Jose Mourinho or not. And I feel like it just does not make sense. And then even still, this is the part I don't get, and I was really kind of frustrated on. Even still, and this is, no again, no disrespect to Ryan Mason, but someone who was a part of the coaching staff with Jose that didn't get sacked was Ledley King. Now, Ledley King is a club legend. We've seen how many club legends have we seen get appointed managerial roles. We've seen it with Lampard. We've seen it with Solskjaer. We've seen it with Gerrard. Just these type of players, like from that generation, now becoming managers. And I know Ryan Mason has been in the coaching staff for how long? And I know he's been a part of the youth and whatever, and I get that. And he's been a part of the backroom staff. But I thought if there was, if you're going to give it to someone to the end of the season, I thought surely you would give it to the Ledley King, right? Ryan Mason isn't regarded as a Tottenham legend, I don't think. I don't... Well, put it this way, in comparison to Ledley King, I don't think any... Any person, any Tottenham fan would say they would rather Ryan Mason as a Tottenham legend than Ledley King. So it was kind of really weird how he got overlooked. The only reason I can feel like they got overlooked is that because he worked under Jose a bit, they wanted to completely get rid of that. But still, he's still an ambassador for the club. He's still an assistant first team coach, I think his title was. So the fact that he didn't, that he got overlooked is, is very skeptical, in my opinion. I'm not sure if he didn't have all his badges. I don't know. But then again, it'll be weird if Ryan Mason has all those badges already and Ledley doesn't. It's, it, it's a very weird one for me. When I saw Ryan Mason get the role, and, and fair enough, Chris Powell was there as well, so it's not completely inexperienced. But I'm thinking in this day and age where we've seen people like Lampard, Gerard, Rooney get get um, jobs like that, would you not think Ledley King would be the next one in charge? Just to, I'm not saying he should be the long-term replacement, but just to the end of the season, the same way you're giving it to a 29-year-old Ryan Mason. But anyway, that's my that's my take on um, on Tottenham. It was a very weird one. And as you saw, they lost the Carabao Cup final today in the end. Mountain City won their fourth um, Carabao Cup in, in a row, but we'll touch on that a bit later. But I feel like it was just a weird one with the Jose Zaki, and I really thought that they, 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 they really didn't... Either one, they fought this through. 
and there's someone in the pipeline. Because especially, think about it, if you are Harry Kane, you've just sacked Mourinho, you're, you're going to go, okay, cool, to Daniel Levy. And this is what I would do. If I'm the star player in team, you've just sacked the manager six days before we have a cup final. I'll say, okay, cool. I can't do anything about it. You sacked him. Who's the next man in charge? You must have someone ready. You don't sack someone without thinking about it, thinking about your next step ahead. Do you know what I mean? Who's in the pipeline that is going to do better than this supposed and then Mourinho? I know for a fact he didn't go, okay, cool, boom. Ryan Mason's going to be the long-term replacement. We're going to get rid of Mourinho. Just how we're going to do things at Tottenham. That conversation didn't happen. I can tell you that for free. So we will see. We will really see in regards with Tottenham. But as I said, Tottenham losing another final is is the history of the Tottenham. But um, let's just look at some. Uh, I was going to quickly touch on the Champions League new format as well because <laughs> another competition uh, Tottenham won't be in. But it's, I feel like it's a really weird new format with the whole league positions. I know Ilkay Gundogan came out and said that they don't like it. Pep Guardiola even came out and said that the format needs to change and it's just a weird one because it's kind of, I don't want to say it has some similarities to the Super League, but we're now going to play over 100 more games. The fact that we were crying about fixture congestion so much this season, God knows how we're going to fit 100 more Champions League games. Like, it just does not make sense. Like, fair enough, I don't mind if the Champions League gets changed because I'm I'm all here for change. But this 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 isn't it. Do you know what I mean? Like this really isn't it. If you want to have a new format of the Champions League, fair enough. But right now this this one isn't it. And we'll probably see it. I don't think it'll get implemented if the way players and um managers come out and maybe fans as well if they decide to do the people power thing they've done with the ESL. Maybe we'll see. But anyway, speaking of ESL, one of the aftermaths of the ESL for Man United was uh Vice Chairman Ed Woodward, uh, Executive Chairman Ed Woodward leaving, which was a massive one. I remember when I got, I got the drop on it and I was thinking, what, like, this is crazy. And you, we can look at it like this because United fans have been screaming for Ed Woodward to go for years. So we can look at it like this. We can either, because the Glazers are still there, United fans, right? And I'm a United fan. The Glazers are still there, so the job's not done. We, we still we still going on, man. Do you know what I mean? Like the fight isn't finished. But what we need to do, this appointment needs to be big. It needs to be a person that can. The, I feel like the vice chairman is the person is the bridge between the owners and the manager. And the, your vice chairman has to be a football person. One thing I will credit um, Ed Woodward on was he was a money man. We always seem to get these deals. Like who has a training kit sponsor? Do you know what I mean? Like, United is such a brand that people just want to sponsor our training kit. Not even our first team kit, just our training kit, just to get that brand of Man United. It's such a big brand. So, fair enough, Edward Wood, when it came to money, that was his thing. He was a wheeler dealer. He knew what he was doing. But we need more than that. We need someone that understands the football club. Someone that wants... You want football people in charge of footballing roles. It is pretty simple. Do you know what I mean? So, people... Uh, MEN are reporting Edwin van der Sar... Not sure if that's going to work. I feel like he's happy with Ajax at the moment and it's going to take a lot from him to leave Ajax to come to Man United and do that role. We will see. I don't know. They might do in-house. I feel like... It, I personally feel like it might be an in-house one. I'm not sure who will be capable of that role, but you'll probably hear of an in-house person get the step up 
and because they want to keep it that way, which I totally don't mind. As long as it is a person with footballing background, I'm here for it because that can help shape the course of Man United's future. But we shall see. But let's get on to the Premier League. You know, we had a couple midweek games, which was it was a bit it was a bit funny the midweek games because like no one really spoke about them too tough, and it's just like a. I don't know. Like, obviously, Ryan Mason got his first win. Big ups to him. City, City won. It was just a couple of Premier League games, really. I think the European Super League just took over all of the midweek games, and then even some of the of the weekend games. Now we were thinking, all right, fair enough. We've got some weekend games, but this whole massive Super League just took it over. I know Liverpool lost the late um, conceded a late equaliser. And then again, Leeds got a draw at United again. So it's a weird one. Put it this way. Everton beat Arsenal and they won the Emirates for the first time in 25 years. Arsenal, I've I've said my two-piece in Arsenal so many times. I've, I've said that Arteta's not the man for the job. I've, I've said it for a long time. I know they're trying to trust the process, but sometimes you've got to pull the plug on the process when the process is not even happening. What are you trusting? Because he's been in there for um, how many months now? And if it really, honestly, if it really wasn't for his pep clout, and him being at City, if Arteta came from another another club and he was not at City and the exact same results happened, I promise you he'll be sacked. Because this is this is crazy now. The fact Arsenal Football Club are a big football club, whether you want to compete, you want to like banter them or not, or call them banter FC or, or what they've been and how they haven't had trophies or whatever, but they've had some F- decent FA Cups runs. But Arsenal are a big club, whether we like it or not. They're a big club in England. And the fact they're here just chilling in like ninth, tenth is not good enough. I don't care who the manager is. That's not good enough. And we'll see on Thursday because the really only thing they're going for is the Europa League. They now have Unai Emery. And in the words of Kevin Keegan, I would love it. No, I'm joking. No, I would love it if Unai Emery beats them because it it goes to show that you, you, you messed up your process. But even again, Arsenal fans are in their own debacle with Kroenke out and, and everything. So... Big ups to them. Hopefully, they get what they needed. They get what they need done, don't they? But um, Leicester as well. Leicester looks very comfortable. I think it was was it Thursday. Leicester looked very comfortable against West Brom. My guy Kalechi and Nacho banging. Um, it's a weird one because Kalechi had. A, I watched that game and Kalechi had a lot of chances. And I've watched Kalechi from when Nigeria won the Under Seventeens World Cup, and he was a star alongside Musa Mohamed and other players like that. And Inacho was a number 10 for us. And then he went to CEC, kind of played him up front, kind of played him as a like a backup striker. It didn't work out. And now he's kind of having his he's having his best Premier League goals uh, scoring season, which is good for him. Scoring a load of goals in the FA Cup into an FA Cup final. So I'm very happy for Galecci. But I've always preferred him in that 10 role. Now, not the typical 10 we see, like I'm thinking like a Bruno Fernandes or or David Silva type of 10. I'm talking about the old 10s back in the day. No one pairs with the SS, the support striker. So back in the day, before a 10 was a cam, they were the people that just played behind them, which is kind of kind of still a cam, but a more attacking cam, if that makes sense. Like Raul, for example. That was the 10 back in my day. So that's the type of Ian Nacho you saw, just behind a striker who can still get you goals, but has very good link-up play. And we can see with Vardy is now that he's... Him and Vardy are linking up very well, which is good. The only concern I have about him was that obviously that game he scored his goal. He was very selfish, and there was many chances where I feel like, oh yeah, you could have just slotted a ball here, could have done this. But Leicester is still doing well. 
they're looking like they're going to... I feel like Leicester are going to get Champions League this football. I don't think they can mess it up. Um, in regards to Chelsea-West Ham, which was a massive game for the top four race, Chelsea and Timo Werner just pulled through. Um, it's a weird one for West Ham because the red card never should have been a red card. West Ham can still get Europe. I feel like this is a fairy tale season for West Ham. If West Ham get Europe, they, they can't cry. Do you know what I mean? Whether, whether it's Champions League or Europa League. I wouldn't mind seeing West Ham in Europa League. I think that'd be great. Seeing West Ham in the Champions League, I feel like they're not ready for that just yet. If they, they would have to keep Lingard, keep Rice, and even still, I don't think they're going to get out of their group. Let's be honest, though, because they'll be pop four, maybe. So I'm not sure whether they whether they get out of their group. I feel like in the Europa League, they might have a chance. You know, we kind of see British teams seem to do pretty decent against Europa League times. And it will, it will be nice to see West Ham go against like Slavia, Prague, and them, man. Suchak Derby and stuff like that. So I'm here for it. Whether West Ham, I know Chelsea still got City to, I feel like they still got City to play in the league. I feel like Chelsea still have a couple more hard games and maybe so do West Ham. So Chelsea could drop points and Chelsea got to focus on the Champions League as well. But we, we, we shall see. We shall see when it comes to West Ham. I feel like West Ham should just be happy with Europe regardless. And I feel like West Ham fans will be happy with any type of Europe. Yeah, Champions League was in touch and distance, but Europe is Europe at the end of the day. If you win the Europa League, you get to the Champions League. It's as simple as that. And you started the season with 19 people, you know, in your, like, we all thought West Ham, West Ham at the start of the season were tipped for relegation. So the fact that they're here now overachieving under, under David Moyes, I'm here for it. Lingard's doing well and stuff like that. So really can't complain. Um, United drew against Leeds today. It was a nil-nil draw. This is like, United's seventh nil-nil draw now this season, which is kind of weird, kind of concerning. Um, what can I say? I know we have a big semi-final in um, on Thursday, so it was kind of a, a rotate. I, I won't want to say kind of a rotated squad because I feel like the team we should up there, regardless, should beat Leeds. Uh, but you know, you had your Dan James to start in your McFred pivot, which I'm sick of. But um, you had them type of people. So I know like come Roma on Thursday, like people like James won't start. Pogba will be back in the starting lineup. Cavani will probably be back in the starting lineup. But it's a weird one because I felt like we sh- we put a team out there that was capable of beating Leeds, but we still didn't. Um, you can see the changes we need in this side. I feel like we need to move the ball quicker in the midfield, especially when we have McFred in a pivot. The ball's just get a move sideways they can't even keep the ball Jamie Carragher even the game said it was just it was a boring game to watch I'm like I'm sorry it was a really really boring game to watch and even like Jamie Carragher like the 80th minute was just like this game's just terrible like it was just awful like Pete, midfields couldn't keep couldn't keep like playing we were just terrible and this is the thing when a team because Leeds didn't come out to play like they did at Old Trafford because they didn't want to get spanked up again, which I totally understand. You learn from your mistakes, right? And I'm not going to say Leeds defended on a low block because it wasn't really a low block. So it's just a weird one. United, um, just when we play these teams, we just always seem to not get through. I feel like when we have Pogba and Bruno on the pitch, Bruno had another stink hard today, but I'm, I'm not going to get onto that. When we have Pogba and Bruno on the pitch, when we play our normal game, we kind of win. And I felt like we played a rotated squad that just wasn't good enough today. Like, Dan James, I'm, I'm sorry, he's not. Especially if it's not an end-to-end game on the counter-attack, he's 
practically ineffective. We definitely need a right winger because he was ineffective on the right. Again, it was just a whole right side. It was just Wan-Bissaka on the right-hand side. And Wan-Bissaka looked like our best player on the pitch, and that's saying something. So, a defense, as United fans, I've been screaming this for, for ages, a defensive mid, a right winger will be sorted, stuff like that. But that's another question for another day. Uh, with Man United, it's just when we play these rotated teams, we need to do much better and stuff like that. But we shall see. Um, City win their fourth Carabao Cup with a 1-0 win over Spurs. Um, you know, it's it's a weird one because I watched the game and City were over, practically all over them. Tottenham played awful, in my opinion. Laporte should have been sent off. He should have had two yellows and scored the winner. So the irony of football way. But um, this, this cup win makes me question the Carabao Cup. As in, like, what's the point? Now, I'm, I don't want to... I know I'm, I'm going to sound like a bitter United fan, and I don't. I'm just going to look at it... Let's look at this from this perspective. Everyone in the Carabao Cup, it's one of the earliest cups that start in the season. You know, your, your third round is practically in August, September. Early September, August, you're playing it from then. Teams always play a rotated squad in the Carabao Cup. Even in the FA Cup, we're starting to see it now, is that teams play a rotated squad in the FA Cup. And one thing that Man City have above every other team in England is a better squad. They have a better B team than everyone else. Hence why they're winning the Premier League in this COVID season. Hence why they've just won the Carabao Cup. Because most teams time tend to play a rotated squad. You don't play your strongest squad in the in the Carabao Cup. That's just a fact. So the fact that City have won it four four times in a row now just shows that City's B team is better than everyone else's, but that's something we already knew. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's something we already knew. What's the point if players are going to just, if teams are just going to put out their B team for a trophy? I get that. I get it shows who has the best squad and props to City for having a very good B team. Like, gang, well done. But it's just, it's, is it not boring now? Do you know what I mean? They've won four in a row. It's now six in the last seven years because it was five in the last six. So I'm guessing, yeah, you can make the stat six in the last seven years. Like, that's that's absurd. Do you know what I mean? And, like, put it this way, it's a cup final, right? I feel like if a cup final was important, you would never play your subkeeper, in my opinion. That's a, like, that's a little rule I have. You wouldn't play your second choice keeper if it was a massive, massive, massive cup final. Champions League final, you're not starting your second, you're not starting your your second um goalkeeper. Maybe in the FA Cup final because he's played that. And that's what that's how the FA Cup's going now. People are starting to play rotated squads as well. It's happening in the EFL Cup. Now it's starting to happen in the FA Cup, which is sad to be fair, because it's kind of losing the magic of cups and I know the EFL Cup is, is, I'm not saying it's a massive trophy, but it's just, it's, it's, are we not bored of it now of City putting out their B team and City's B team's better than everyone else's? Well, not just City putting out it, everyone puts out their B team, unfortunately. Even the, even the smaller clubs sometimes tend to put out some rotated players. So, of course, the person, the people with the best squad is going to win. Hence why we've seen them win four in a row now. Like it, it, it makes total sense. So, we shall see. We shall see in regards of um, the Carabao Cup because I know they 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 were in talks to get rid of it. I don't think that people were kind of 
I know people are kind of saying like, you know what, we we should get rid of the cup because what's the point of these of of these boring games? And the thing is, in a sense of what are the in the view of what are the point of these boring games, this is kind of what Florentino Perez was saying, is that people want to watch these important games. People don't want to watch these boring games anymore with with um City playing against like loot. No disrespect to Luton, you know what I mean? I just thought that because we had Luton in the third round. But no one wants to, no one really wants, I know it'll be great for Luton and it'll be great for, I'm sorry for using Luton as an example, but I know it'll be great for them. But this is kind of the argument that Florentino Perez was saying in the heads of the Super League that there'll be no boring games in the Super League. People don't want to watch boring games where people play. I know one of the excuses was 16, 24 year olds, when they play FIFA, they don't, they play with the best teams and that's what the teams they want to see. I get that, makes sense, but that's not how we do things in England and that's not how football should be run. But then again, you look at this, this was, this is a boring competition now. It's the same teams won it four times in a row because their B team's better than everyone else. Like, it's kind of getting boring now. I know if United were doing this and we won four in a row and we were playing our B team, I'd be thinking, all right, guys, like, I'm I'm not going to stop from a United perspective, but from a neutral, is, it, is everyone not bored from it now? But congratulations to Pep Guardiola City. Four in a row for an EFL Cup is good. That's that's what we need to say on that. And who knows? Will we see the EFL Cup in the near future? If the, if we keep doing this, we shall see. But guys, that's been another episode of the Undiluted Football Show. You can follow me on Twitter or Insta on my Tony FK there. Follow Undiluted Media One on Twitter, Undiluted Media on Instagram. This show happens every Sunday, 9 p.m. We talk the latest in the football. Guys. Thank you for another episode. Peace out. Sports Social Podcast Network.